back for another episode of the Thanks for Rolling podcast. Today we're joined in the studio with another guest. Welcome, Matt. Hey, glad to be here, guys. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for coming. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? What a question. Uh, I guess to start from the beginning, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm from Florida. Uh, coaching football was my passion. Played in high school. Uh, played in college and after college got a sales job didn't like it so much and started coaching and first job was in new york city and since then was kind of kind of all over the world new york city minnesota ohio uh, i was in italy for three years and before finally uh coming here to springfield massachusetts to uh, american international college so you were coaching all of those all those places yeah no kidding yep always football always football yeah I've, I mean, played whatever sport, but to me, there's nothing like a like the team game of football. One person messes up, and the whole play is screwed. That's awesome. I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So where where in Florida are you from? Uh, Fort Myers, Florida. So southwest. Yeah. If anybody's familiar with the uh, Naples area, about an hour north of that. Yeah, home of the Red Sox spring training. That's exactly yep. right. Yep. 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 My dad actually used to work uh, just across the, just on like the out outfield fence of it. There, whatever is the city electricians. Yep. So they they bomb. You know, spring training balls over. You just grab them, pick them up, give them to me. And so that's why I was a Red Sox fan for that's baseball cool. growing up. Nice. So Mass is a good area for it. Yeah. Yeah. So Italy. Mm. I'm trying to think. I'm not familiar with football in Italy. Football Americano. <laughs> it's because nobody really is. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's I like, honest, what's the football scene out there? It's, oh, it's okay. Was I, it professional you were coaching? Uh, or what it, they it'd be it'd be like semi-pro version here in yeah. the U.S. So some players were paid. Uh, they were called imports. You were a, there was a limited number you were allowed to have. Uh, in Italy, for example, you're allowed to have three, and one of them has to be like a, a dual citizen. So if they have Italian origin, they don't count. Good for them. But if they're American, Canadian, whatever it may be, those gotcha. those were the, the paid guys. And then uh, there were some kind of filler on the team. And I, I'm like, I had no idea that that's what you were in Italy for. I mean, we've mm-hmm. talked about you being in Italy before, but I had no idea it was about mm-hmm. that you were coaching there. Oh, oh, it was a hell, of, it was a hell of a story getting there. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's talk about that. How did you? So you you said you coached all over the place. Yep. Right. How did it end up in Italy, where there's like? So my first first job is New York City, and that was only a uh, for the fall season. So I knew I had to get something else. And there's a coach a football coaches convention every year uh, in January. And I went to it, and, you know, it's for four days, and there's all these different sections, but there was this one session titled Football Abroad, and I just thought it sounded pretty cool. And so I went in, sat down. Turns out I ended up sitting down next to the, the GM of the team in Rome. At the time, their name was the Lazio Marines, uh, now the Rome Ducks. But Quite the change. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we just hit it off. Uh, talked to him. He talked to uh, the head coach at the time. We Got on a Zoom together. His biggest question to me was, "What's my favorite drink?" And uh, eight, eight days later, I was on a flight. No two, kidding. Two two days at the convention. Two days to get my visa. Two days to say goodbyes, and then I'm out. <laughs> what was wild. Your, what was your favorite drink? Uh, I think I said <laughs> chocolate milk. <laughs> he, he was looking for like whiskey sour, or some some sort of alcoholic drink as he was drinking in the interview. And I said, "I think I said chocolate milk." That's hilarious. That's not what I expected you to say. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So we, you got hired to coach what? Uh, offensive line. 
Always, yeah. always offensive line. Uh, the only time I've not coached the offensive line was when I was in Minnesota. I was the running backs coach. But always, always the big boys. It seems like an, I can, just kind of nice to only care about, you know, 12 guys or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, is you have playing experience as an offensive lineman? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a four-year starter in college. I uh, started at either left tackle or left guard, depending on the year and how fat I was. I came in as the right tackle, started the first two games as a freshman, and the left tackle was a senior, and he was, I guess, not performing very well. And our head coach, our, our offensive line coach, actually took us aside and said, what hand are you? And I said, right-handed. He's what hand are you? He said, left-handed. So he flipped us <laughs> no to keep our dominant hands, I guess, on the inside. Yep. And it worked out. And I was there uh, for the rest of the year. The next year I got extremely fat. I went from probably 275, and I like to think of relatively athletic, and I got a, I ballooned up to like 300 pounds, and it wasn't good. It wasn't good weight, so I, they had to move me inside the guard. And then the next two years after that, I shaped up, did a lot of uh, spin class. <laughs> Where uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, it's called Hiram College. It's in Ohio. Okay. Yeah, small little D3 place. Yep. For anybody who knows that area, if you think the triangle between uh, Youngstown, Akron, and Cleveland, it's a dead center of nowhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then, okay. So now I, I don't know. I, I want to hear about like what happens. So you get to Italy. So I get I get to Italy, and uh, football over there is a lot more simple than it is here in the U.S. To break down a full uh, a team, you got to break down at least three the last three games, and it takes you and probably the the rest of the offensive staff a full day. I mean, a ten hours each, so fifty call it fifty man hours to break down an opponent. And then more time to study after that. Uh, but over there, I was breaking down an opponent by myself within four or five hours just because it's a lot more simple football. It's only two formations instead of 12. Uh -huh. It's only two types of run plays instead of six and all the stuff that goes with it. Uh, so I was getting bored. <laughs> and I had watched Netflix at least 10 hours a day for a week <laughs> straight. And I'm like, this sucks. So what's the reason for the simplification? Is it just the a lower skill level? or is I think the, the lower skill level is part of it. It's also the, the culture of it is not, you know, very good. Uh, there are there was the team I was coaching the, the semi pro level, but they also have like a, a U15 and a U17. But there's no such thing as as Pop Warner. There's no midget league. There's no anything growing up with that. So it's not a, really a part of their culture. Right. So they're coming in a little bit older. Yeah, yeah, they're coming in older. So <clears throat> some of the guys I coached it was their either their first or second year at the age of you know 20, 22, and it's, that's it's a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. And then even just the part of it is not just playing it, but watching it. If you're watching the NFL and, and collegiate football, you can at least see, hey, we've done this before, yep. and it kind of helps. But if you're not even watching it, it's just it's like it's like going to class, right? If all you do is in class and you don't do anything outside of class, you go, whoo. Yep. And one ear out the other. But, uh, yeah, so lower, lower skill level and lower interest until they get older. Yeah. So what year was this you went there? That would have been 2016. Yes, I think 2016 is right. And you were there for how long? I was there on and off for a total of three years. So I was there the first time, first stint was from January until July. And then I went to Minnesota for their fall season. I went back to Italy for the next spring. That was my longest time I stayed from January until uh, almost October. Because uh, I didn't actually, I didn't find a job that I wanted back here in the U.S. So I just stayed there. And I ended up moving back to Florida, and this is for 
anybody who watches Bravo, I, if you ever seen this, if you've ever seen the show Below Deck, I started watching that. I thought it looked pretty cool, so I started doing that down in uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale area, and that fall. Then I went back one more year, and uh, after that fall, or after excuse me, after that spring of 2018, so from January until about August, uh, I got. I wanted to find a way back into the U.S., and there's a, a website that has all the football jobs on it, for the most part, football jobs on it. And one had you know, a graduate assistant position, paid for housing, stipend on top of it, meal plan, all the stuff you know you really need to live. Not a lot of money, but you know, get, I get a master's out of it. And that was here at American International College, and that's what brought me back. Hmm, no kidding. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, did you get a degree from AFC then? Or yeah. Are you working on it now? Yeah, so I, gra- I graduated last May. No kidding. So, this this past May. Yeah, no kidding. That's cool. No, sorry. Pandemic, 2020? T- t- yeah, thank you. 2020 pandemic yep. years still throwing me off. Yep, I, I figured what you meant, but yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so, so, you had a little spinoff gig. I did. While you were in Italy. I did. That was, uh, that. As much as I do love football and I love the guys I was coaching over there, that was probably the main reason that kept me at least going back to that specific team, that area. So uh, I was a tour guide. I mentioned how I was breaking teams down easily and then spending Netflix. So after the first two weeks, three weeks or so there, I finally visited uh, the Coliseum in Rome. And through the Palatine Hill, which is where the Emperor's Palace was, and then the Roman Forum, it's all essentially its own. It's one ticket gets you into all three of them kind of, th- kind of deal. So as I was going through the Roman Forum section of it, I see a, a tour guide giving like his ending spiel thing, and I'm thinking, "Well, hell, I could do that. <laughs> I'm I'm big, I'm loud, I'm funny. At least I like to think so, <laughs> and uh, I know a lot about Greek and Roman mythology and history, and and I thought I did at the time, and I ended up learning so much more, so 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 much more uh, after that. But essentially, I went up and told him those exact words. And he said, okay, let me introduce you to my boss. And he took me to his boss, introduced me. He said, you're American? Hired. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really as simple as that just because uh, the, you know, it's not about what information you know, but it's about how much you can communicate it as well. Because right? they had a bunch of Italian guides who could talk, and they sounded kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. When, <laughs> whereas if I'm speaking to an American, a Canadian, a, a native English-speaking audience, they're going to look at me and they're just going to understand right off the bat. You don't have to think about understanding. Mm-hmm. You just have to listen. And then you can look around. Because I know at least that was part of the big thing was watching somebody's mouth move if they have an accent. It's like, I know I can get these words. I just got to focus. Right. And it's not Spending really a lot of time focusing. And correct. Not as much sightseeing. Right. So from there, I followed five or six other guides. Uh, they were all They were all mentors to me, really. One guy by the name of uh, Greg Pope. Uh, shout out if he ever ends up hearing this. <laughs> of course <laughs> but, he will with our millions oh, of subscribers. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll, make, I'll make sure I share it with him as well just so he can hear it. But uh, he was absolutely my mentor. But followed a bunch of guys, see how they did it. If I didn't understand something, which, which was a lot, <laughs> wrote, wrote it down, researched it, which led me down a rabbit hole to learn 10 new things about that exact same thing. And then it's like think about a, a tree and how the branches yep. grow. It was, it was exactly like that. Added added some jokes and and I started uh, becoming a tour guide. And that's that's how the tour guiding started. Morphed into more later, right <laughs> after the first season. But so you started. You, so you spent that season working for somebody else. Yep. And then at what point do you decide to 
spin this off into your own gig. Gotcha. So, so my first year, uh, like you said, I was just working for somebody else. I was essentially freelance and I was freelance all three years, uh, for different companies to, just depending on who paid me, whoever paid me the most, that's who I worked for. And it wasn't really allegiances cause I didn't really care. <laughs> but, uh, as I come back for the second year, um, still doing the same thing, still working, freelancing, just taking people, doing all that sort of stuff. And once football ends, our practices were always at night. So practices were at eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. So I'd immediately, you know, I'd finish my work day around five or six or whatever it was. And then I'd take off to go to practice. However, once football season ended around uh, mid-May, early May, because we got knocked out of playoffs early and I had, I ended up having a few more months to be there. I didn't have any job to come back to. So I started looking for something else to do to occupy my nights. Uh, Cause Work was really, it wasn't a full day. It's not like a nine to five. It was, uh, I was getting, going in at 12 and getting out around four or five o'clock sometimes. And, you know, being a football coach, we work 70, 80 hour weeks mm-hmm. easy. And that's, that's no time at all. So uh, I just started doing what other people were doing. There was a, like a pub crawl going around and I followed them. And essentially it's called promoting or gathering where you're like, hey, come on this tour. And then you're came on this thing and then you get you know, a commission off of it. Then you go with them for the night. And I hated it. It was, you know, just is babysitting drunk people, hurting cats. Hurting cats is what they always called it. Yeah. And it was awful. I did that twice. And then I, there was a free walking tour where you take people on free tours, and then hopefully they tip you at the end. Mm. And I did that a couple of times. And, and that was okay. But it was, you know, it was all dependent on someone someone's generosity. And, right. and if you did a good job. And sometimes it didn't matter if you did a good job because I knew I did a great job. Some people they, just don't tip. They just didn't tip. <laughs> exactly right. So I said the same for me either. After making, you know, ten bucks and for two hours, and then with another hour standing around, like the same. For, this, this is for the dogs, not, not me either. And then uh, I finally got hooked up with uh, somebody else, and they're saying you should just do your own, right? If you're you're doing regular tours throughout the day, people kind of know who you are just from that hour that you're speaking with them. If they like you, maybe they'll they'll pay you to do a walking tour of the city by yourself. I'm like, that's a great idea. I should just, I should just do that. And that's, that's what it started. I was just, uh, said, Hey guys, if you like me, you know, I'll be at this place at this time at this pub and we'll just take a walk throughout the city. I'll I'll tell you all about downtown and, you know, all this other stuff. And a few people started signing up and it started with, you know, just a couple. And I don't, I wish I do remember their names, (laughs) but, uh, I, what I do remember is that they were Canadian and, as we're walking the city, I'd planned on it being about an hour, 45 to two hour tour, walking the downtown area of Rome. And they said, can we drink on this tour? Can we drink as well? I'm like, yeah, I mean, why not? It's legal. On it's Obviously, it's illegal in many places here in the U.S., but in Rome, it is legal to walk the street, drink beer, it's like drink Vegas. a wine. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, I'm like, yeah, why not? It's legal. And that had to have been one of the most fun times of my life, giving that tour to those two people. And they're like, you know what? You should just do this. And if someone ever told me that I could drink and walk a city and learn about some cool stuff, I'd go there immediately. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? They're right. Yeah. What That's do I want to? We would do. Yeah. What do I want to do when I go to a new city? Yeah, I want to. Awesome. I want to see some really cool shit. And when I have, I'm gonna drink a beer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where it started. And those two t- are the OGs. They were the OGs. Yeah. Uh, I ended up. At, Making later than the next year. That was in my second year. In my third year, it, it ended up becoming a lot more uh, professional. Had a website, had a Facebook, had 
you know, flyers, marketing material, t-shirts, all every, everything you could think of as a, as a business, I had it. But that first year was started with those two people, and then it was the uh, it was about a probably a month before it, I really started to hit my stride because I would get two people, they were paying you know twenty bucks each, forty bucks for two hours. Yeah, heck yeah, count me in. Twenty bucks an hour, I like it. But then I started to get four people, and five, and then you know six, and then the first time I got seven people, I was I was ecstatic. <laughs> and it was the first time I got seven people. It was actually two families. It was a uh, parents and their child, and then another pair of parents and their and their kids. They couldn't have been you know ten or twelve. And when I marketed it, I realized that you know yeah, nobody wants to be on a drunk fest. because I, I had a, I had a couple sloppy customers. I'm like. I don't want to deal with them. Yeah. Nobody else in the group wants to deal with them either. Right. So this is a, you know, we talk, we drink, we'll have some fun. And if you guys want to have some fun afterwards, then we'll, we'll talk about that separately. So it was a good family friendly tour. It really was. And, uh, so we're, I'm taking this, this, these two couples and these two families on this tour. And this kid had to been maybe 11 or 12 years old. Once we finished the tour, he's like, Oh, this is so much fun. We grabbed some ice cream on our way back to, to drop them off. And he's like, what are you going to call this? And I'm thinking, um, and I hadn't really settled on an idea yet. I had a really good friend who actually has the number one food tour company in Rome. It's called the Roman Food Tour. It's it's this is what it is. This is where it is. It's all right in the name. And I'm like, I'm just going to call it the Roman Drinking Tour. You know, it's, it's it's all right there. And he's like, you know what? You should call it Hops and Stops. And I'm like, oh my god, you're right. You know, brilliant, brilliant. And his, I swear to Christ, his mom looks over at him like, how the heck do you right. know what hops are? And he and he meant it as. Hopping, hopping around the city. Oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and obviously, we know what hops are, and then just, you know, it's beer perfect. and drink it. It's perfect. And I'm like, that's it. That That's what the name is going to be. So I ended up naming it Hops and Stops, you know, semicolon, the Roman drinking tour. Yep. And uh, that's 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 where it really started. <laughs> and then it, it grew a lot. It's funny, because when you... Um yeah, this is insider knowledge for everybody, right? But we have this Instagram chat amongst a lot of the students. And when you showed up on there, I was like, who the hell is Hops and Stops? Like, <laughs> yeah. what? I had no idea. Like, it just didn't connect to anybody, right? I'm like, yeah. what does that even mean? And I think someone must have, must have said it before you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's Matt? <laughs> I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. It's funny going back through your page, all your group pictures. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you could see, you could really, see if you were to go through that, it's like a historical document. You yeah. can see the growth from two to people to 10 to 15 to I think the biggest group I ever had was like 33 people. Wow. Yeah. By the time it got that big, it, the tour started with, I just meet you at the bar. We walk and we'll grab a beer on the way until the end of it was, we're going to meet here at this pub. I'm going to have some pizza. So that way, because people were always late, yeah. always without fail, especially when you get that many people, someone's going to be late. So you get the pizza, they go, oh, yeah, we're getting fed. But really, it's just there to tide them over while the late people show up. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying the first drink. We go from there, you know, pop pop bottles, you know, pop little champagne bottles at the beginning if it was a birthday. It was, it was a whole thing. Ended up partnering up with businesses along the way because, you know, when you get bigger tours, it's, it slowed it down. So bathroom breaks were a necessity. So I ended up partnering up with some <laughs> other people. I, and it ended up turning into a whole thing. They got to use the bathroom. I get proceeds from essentially them buying drinks there, food, whatever it may be. Get to the last stop. Hey, guys, loved it. T-shirts, that whole deal. And then uh, we ended up going to a, uh, it's called an American American bar. But the Drunken Ship uh, was the name of it. Hop in there. And then that's where the 
the after party was. Nice. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's so much fun, man. Yeah. That's so much fun. I hope, and anytime I end up talking about this, I hope you don't mind if I talk about the first stop on the tour because this is this was what really kicked it off for me uh, because it's it's fun to teach people and show them and you know show them the things that they want to see right they see this giant building we talk about this building they see you know the statue of Julius Caesar so we talk about Julius Caesar but the one thing that nobody ever ended up noticing until you showed it to them and it, it stuck with them always because I would get pictures of it whenever they go to other cities in Europe was uh, it's actually something from the Holocaust. They're called uh, the stumbling stones. The little brass plates, about that big. If you think a cobble cobblestone mm. size, the little like brass caps that go over it, and they're uh, the, the names of the people that were taken from that area. Mm. So if you think you know statues and you know buildings and stuff that are put in the middle of plazas to commemorate something, that's all well and good to remember it. But the thing about these was it was always this is where they were taken from. It would put their name when they were born, where they were taken to. It would say uh, either here worked or here lived, depending on if it was their place of business or their place or the way they lived. And then what happened to them? Some were taken to Auschwitz and killed, and some showed that they escaped from Auschwitz. Some showed that they fled the country from that area. And, uh, but you, I still remember the, you know, the youngest one was something like four months old. Four months old. Oh God! But uh, when you when you tell that to people at the and this was this was the very first stop of the tour. It's the, the immediately very first one. And I think there were like eleven or thirteen uh, cobblestone caps right in that area of the stumbling stones. And I purposely made my tour so that it passed a couple of them along the way, and people would always notice it. Like I'm never gonna forget that. Yeah. And then I would get photos of because they're all throughout Europe, anywhere that the Holocaust happened. They're you know, Berlin, there were obviously other places in you know, Germany and countries all over. I'd get pictures of it. They'd put it up on you know, the, uh, the Hops and Stop Facebook. And uh, yeah, that, if there's one thing that I did that stuck with people, that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm real proud of that. I remember you telling me about that before. I'd never, never heard of it, and then I looked into it. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'd never heard of that before, but I, I will go check it out when we're done, right? That's... Yeah. That's a cool story, man. That really is cool. It's definitely something you don't ever, I don't know anybody who's done that, right? And had that experience. Mm-hmm. Was that hard to like step away from? You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, I guess maybe you do, if, depending on if anybody ever loved something and had to leave it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough every year, every year to leave because, I mean, obviously the, the money was really, really good. Uh, but more so than that, it was like a, is, I mean, I don't have any kids, so but it was like something I created. Yeah, right. Is I I, I made this. Yeah, I made it seems this like tour. one of those businesses that just can't run without you. And and I actually ran into that problem after I'd left, which was all right, guys. Here here's the formula. Here's the, here's the system, and that's that's how I treat at least coaching, offensive line coaching, football, or really anything. Which is, you know, the the more you can get a system down, the more you can hand it off to somebody else and say, here, just take take over. You know, they may not be the same personality, but that doesn't matter because this is the system. Uh, and I couldn't. I, I just couldn't find anybody to take it over. Yeah. After, it seems like something like that is based on personality, though, yeah. and the passion for it, yeah. not just going through the motions. Right. And I had a lot of good, really good friends that tried. Uh, you know, I, I, I got mentored by people, and I ended up mentoring others. You know, to be tour guiding. And excuse me, didn't want to burp in the mic. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the history 
was not my strong suit at the beginning. I ended up getting a lot better at it. There are people who are way better than me, you know, history wise and, you know, religion and things like that. But I like to think that when it comes to the business section of it and the, you know, the, I guess you'd call it the show, the showmanship. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was top. I was top guy for sure. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm sure there's no shortage of tours for people to choose from. So yeah. dozens, you got to <laughs> literally, you got to have a reason there. Right. Coming to you, mm-hmm. and you were the reason, right? And that, that was always funny. You talk about the reason why people could pick you out. How it worked was somebody would take you through the Coliseum, then they tell you, you know, meet outside the exit at a certain time, eleven, twelve, two, whatever it ended up being. And then they're like, "Well, how do I? How am I going to find him?" They're like, "Don't worry, <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll see him. He's, he's the he's the Viking. He's the football coach. He's the rugby player. You'll he's the him, whole thing. And what, whatever that made me sound big, and I was I was a head taller than everybody else around me, just because they're all. No offense, Pat. The big, loud American. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's really Surrounded funny. by a bunch of tiny Italian men. <laughs> exactly right. Did you uh, have, have, have you seen other tours take on your I know, methods? I know, I know a couple that tried. I know at least two uh, that tried and failed miserably. I don't want to get into them just because, again, if they ever do that, they are, they are kind of my friends. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it wasn't. It just wasn't the same thing, like you said, Pat. It was probably yep. as much as I wanted. Later on, I wanted to get out of the uh, whatever the talent side, the labor side, the actually doing the tour side to build the business side. Because you know, I, the big plan was, okay, I've done the downtown a- area of Rome. Now, how do I get to like the Vatican City section of it to do that side of it? And then I started looking up other cities like Barcelona. You're allowed to drink in the street. Plenty of history in Barcelona. Uh, Athens. You're allowed to do the same thing. I'm like, man, I could. Yeah, I could I could really do this, <laughs> and then obviously football ended up taking over uh, more of my life, and then I kind of went by the wayside. Wow, so cool! Got it in your back pocket for retirement, though. Oh yeah, if it if it ever comes up, uh, that's that's actually it was something fun that my parents always encouraged me to do. Was um, I don't really listen to music all that much, but uh, whatever people do in their fun time, some of our fun time stuff was like creating a business from about from the ground up just in your, in your head and then actually putting it on paper. And I went to, when I graduated college, I did with a, a business management degree, uh, political science, double major and an entrepreneurship minor. So it was always, always been about, always been about the business, but, uh, yeah, I've created, you know, five or six <laughs> businesses in my head that eh, maybe that's not going to work out. Eh, maybe we'll you never know. We'll, we'll never know. We'll, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was easily the best one. That's cool. It was very cool. Very great thing. So fast forward. How the hell did you end up here? In Springfield? Yeah, Springfield, at, but then we'll talk what about uh how'd you end up here at Tenth Planet? Got it. So Springfield obviously was the the coaching job and they got me here. And then uh my I I don't know if it was my first summer. It would be in my first summer. So in football season it's it's balls out every day, twelve hours at least, if not more, depending on the day. I, like my longest day is always like a Tuesday. It's like seventeen or eighteen hours. You start at six and you don't end until eleven o'clock at night sometimes. But uh, in the summer, it's, it kind of slows down. You go to camps, you know, you go, you see what kids are doing in person, just to find ways to meet them up, evaluating things like that. But night times were no longer a thing. It, I wasn't doing anything, and then obviously, I, you know, this is probably a very stereotypical thing, but watching UFC, playing UFC video games, listening to Joe Rogan, and then the biggest one was actually listening to Joey Diaz. And talk about how much weight he lost doing jujitsu, and he was—I mean, he's a funny as hell guy. So it's it's fun to listen to. And then you know, Rogan was always encouraging with him, and I thought I, I, I looked that up, 
I looked that up, and the other and the other big thing for me was actually I've never done like a single sport, uh, like a uh, a one man sport. So I've never it was never tennis. It was never you know I never did wrestling or any sort of grappling before this. You know whatever sort of one man sport it was always team. It was always baseball, soccer, football, you know all all basketball, anything where you work with others. But anything where it was just by yourself, I, I didn't do any of that growing up. Uh, so that was part of it as well. And I looked up a couple areas here. Springfield's Mission Society and you know, 10th Planet were the only ones that I really saw. But what I did see was it was about a half mile from, 10th Planet was ten, uh, a half mile from my house. Okay, guess mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try there first. <laughs> Convenience is key. Yeah, it was. Right when I was still off Armour Street, that little, yep. what would you call that? Garage? The garage, the gray garage. <laughs> but uh, so the first day I was there, uh, I was hooked immediately. I, I, I started, I actually hit a... I, Thank, thank you to uh, UFC video games. I hit a, I hit a Kimura on, on a flying bison, and I trained with Pete. I think it was for the most part for that day. He's like, "So what do you think?" I'm like, "Yo, you're the you're the man. Thank you for you know walking me through this and showing me. I'm I'm signing up." And I think I signed up that day, even though I still had that week trial left. I'm like, "No, I'm signed on the line that is dotted." <laughs> it was it was awesome, and uh, you know, I like to think I've tried to keep up with it whenever I could ever since on and off depending with. Uh, training with, you know, football or, you know, pride issues if <laughs> in the gym when I'd refuse to tap and, and learn my lesson that I should have tapped probably 10 seconds ago. It'll happen. Yeah. And it doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't, and it doesn't happen anymore. Nope. I, it, it, was a, it was a hard lesson to learn. I was out for a couple of months. I got to, it was a, I think it was a far, far side arm bar. And thank, you, uh, thank you, Ned. Yep. It was the oh, Ned. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I watched it. Yep. It was good. I'm, I remember looking up at the clock. It said 10 seconds left. I'm like, eh, I can survive. I can wiggle out. About two seconds later, I go one way. He goes the other. A quick pop, pop, and then the elbow. I'm like, well, that sucks. I was out for a couple of months, and and I've never not tapped since. <laughs> I think not everyone, but I think most people go through a similar experience. Yeah. So. You find that limit. You think it's not going to be a big deal, and then you find out. Even if it's not a major injury, it's still it still impacts your life yeah. outside of jujitsu too. I mean, hell, I'm talking to Ned about it. He said it impacted him too. Yeah. And you hear I'm, that a lot. Yeah. And I'm, and I know now when I, if I get to a submission where I'm crank, if I, if I could crank it, I'm never, I'm, I'm never, I'll never canker Kimura. I'm usually obviously bigger than everybody here. So there's no reason for me to use strength if I get a good technique going and I'll just, and I'll hold it. And if, and if I think, even if they're not tapping, if, you know. if I think, yeah, you know, yeah. You gotta let, save people from themselves. Yeah, let it go. I don't care about getting your tap. It's I did it right. I know I did it right. And right. I'll I got move you. on. I don't care. I got you this position. You're not getting out of it. So <laughs> it's just a matter if you're tapping or not, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think I've been lucky where I haven't I can't I've had like things happen where I'm like, oh, are you okay? Right. And they've been okay. But like I, I would be troubled by like I just like breaking someone's arm or like, yeah, like you said, popping a tendon or something like that. I would be that would bother me. It yeah, makes a, a noise you don't soon forget. Yeah. Yep. I remember I also got yelled at early on. I think it was, it was way before I got hurt. Is when we were still at the other gym, and when I got Bill in like a chicken wing, <laughs> something, and I got I forget who yelled at me. It was either you or Lewis or Pete or somebody. Just let him go. <laughs> I, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't know he didn't tap. Well, just let him go. Well, now okay. we yell at we yell at Bill about the same thing with <laughs> other new people. Yeah. Right. right. Like, Bill, you know you have him. He right. doesn't know you have him, but you know you have him. 
Yeah, he hooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got, um, so you've competed. I mean, you've gotten to a place now where you feel mm-hmm. like I can compete. You got another uh, yep. fight coming yeah, up. Yeah, we'll have to coordinate our releasing of the podcast and make sure this one yeah. gets out before July 24th. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I've competed twice before. I did a, uh, I forget what it was, a good fight. Uh, so submission only in New Hampshire, and then I did a uh, grappling industries down in uh, Connecticut. Yep. That was about uh, two months ago, I think. So how's that feel like when you come from a team sport, right? Mm-hmm. When you said it, like I, I agree with you. Like football for me, I think about that as the ultimate team sport, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's successful without the other guys on the team, and then now you're all by yourself out there, right? I mean, step out there. It's yeah. just you. Yeah. It, it's the fir- first time I went out there, man, my butterflies were, I like to think I never get nervous about stuff. I was nervous. <laughs> I, re- I, re- I really was. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be fine. I know what I've been training. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Tunnel vision. And then I just couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything else. I mean, I forget. I think it was Lewis that was up there just, and, and Adam yelling at me. Didn't hear a word. They didn't said. hear a, a <laughs> thing. Had no idea. About anything outside about a five foot radius, <laughs> yeah, yep, and and then and it, and it was still the same way. I remember that for this even here down in Connecticut. And this was my first match was a year ago, over a year ago now. This last one was you know just a couple months, but and then the last one I was with, he's like, I just remember hearing voices in the background, having no idea what they said, but I just remember hearing voices. And I'm like, all right, I I can't mm-hmm. hear you anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. it gets better. Yeah, the more you do it, just like. It's like competing as a separate skill on its own. Yeah. Being good at jujitsu and being successful at competing. There's some overlap, but they're they're different skill sets for sure. Mm-hmm. And you have to get to the point where you're confident enough in your skills that you can mentally step back and focus mm-hmm. on those other things around you. Like you'll see, like Lewis will do it. He'll like stop mid match and like look over at whoever's cornering him and you can almost have a conversation. Right. Remember, I only I think I've only ever listened to corner advice once. It was from Daniel and down here in Connecticut. It was when I was on top. They was he was turning it over. I was in, in front of him. He said, you know, having power now. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, it worked. Yeah. I'm like, all right, thanks, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> and then but as soon, I know it's as soon as I'm on bottom. If I if I get like locked down, I can, I know I can focus on that and then start focusing elsewhere because I because I got them. My legs are gonna I'll keep you. I'll keep you for a long time. But uh, and then I can listen. But if I'm like in bottom side or something, like I, fighting for your life, yeah. I mean, you get the weight pressing on you, and I, I like to think I'll be calm, but it it, it it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, you know. I hear you, man. I remember. I, I think I've told the story before, but like being at a um, must been a grappling industries, right? I, and it was just me and another guy in the division. I had best two out of three, and he smashed me two two matches in a row because I have I couldn't to this day I have no memory of the matches because I was just like. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't hear any coaching. I didn't hear, like, it's like he, an out-of-body experience. Yeah. He like took me down, and that was it. I, I don't remember anything else. I remember talking to my coach afterwards, but that's it. Like The matches, I couldn't tell you a thing. I just know I got my ass kicked for two straight matches. Oh, my God. That was my first match. I got ankle-picked. And within like the first minute, I'm like, what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. That's why I, I encourage everyone to try competing at least once. Even if you know you don't want to be a competitor, that's fine. You don't have to be. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to experience it. Oh, it's a blast. Like I mean, the pressure, the adrenaline, the nerves, how you're going to, how do you perform mm-hmm. with that extra pressure? You don't know until you do it. You think you do. You're like, oh, we train hard. Mm-hmm. I went to open mat at this place. These other guys were trying to kill me. It's not the same. No. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It feels so different. Something about it. Like, it's all self-imposed. Yeah. No one else has pressure on you. It's all on you. Yeah. No, that's it's awesome. Awesome experience. And I, I would encourage everyone yeah. to do so it So this next well. event is going to be fun. The top level pro grappling. We have four people on the card as it stands right now. So it's a, it's an individual match set up. So I think they're doing it in a ring or some kind of raised platform. Cool. So it'll be cool. I like that format over tournament format because you just have to prepare one time, prepare for one person, one match with, yeah, we don't know what the, exactly what the time is now, but you know, you know, I have an eight minute match. Right. So I'm just going to go all out for eight minutes. I don't have to worry about, being gassed out for the next match when I get called up in five minutes and right. the other guy's fresh. It's just both of you just ready to go. I think it displays a better version of everybody's jujitsu because you're not worried about what's to come. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm, I know I'm pumped. I'm looking yeah. forward to it for sure. And when, is it just going to, you think it's just going to be like one ring in the middle and then everything's around it? Oh, yeah, or is it's it just be one a match of, at a time. Gotcha. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's a boxing ring. Yeah. It's just, it's like an MMA they're running like an MMA promotion. I think they'll, is there any sort of uh, extra rules where you get to throw them out and king of the ring? Yeah, I think you get over the top. <laughs> if you go over the top rope, you're out. You're out. Yes. Royal Rumble style. Right, let's go. <laughs> Bring in the chair. It says uh, all moves legal, right? I think yeah. that's what it said on some of the paperwork. So. <laughs> no slamming, though. I did ask about that. Oh, so that might fall you. within slamming. Mm. Yeah, slamming from over gor- gorilla press <laughs> might be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have your work, your walkout song picked? Uh, I do. I was down to one of two, and I think it's down to uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh, you want, want it darker. It's an unusual choice, right? You're not going to hear many guys walk out to a slow, baritone yeah. Leonard Cohen. But yeah. when you told me that, I listened to the song, and I immediately like sent my message. I was like, yeah, this is a badass song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a pretty badass it's song. It's important to, to have a to. unique song. Yeah. I, th- I mean, you'd think the, the loud pump-up songs, it, really, they're just to me, they're just noise. They're just loud, ah, whatever going on in the background. But uh, yeah, Le- that Leonard Cohen song I think is awesome. I, the funny thing is actually the wor- the probably the worst reason to pick a song was it was from a video game I liked. <laughs> What's it from? Uh, it's from Assassin's Creed Origins. It is, huh? that, So you yeah, just heard it over and over and over. Huh? You just heard it over and over. Yeah, all the time. As soon as you pop it in, it's like, magnified, sanctified. You know, it's yeah. funny. I, I played that. I don't remember the music from it at all. It's like totally non- didn't, didn't reach me at all, but now that I, I'll have to go back and check it out and see where it yeah. was. It's in the, uh, it's a, for like the cinematic trailer for it. That's cool. Yeah. We did this one event this couple of years ago. I swear like half of the people walked out to shipping up to Boston. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like pick something unique. Right. Is that because Conor McGregor came out to it the first time he was here Probably. in Boston? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I've been asking everybody what their walkout song would be. Yeah. Even theoretical. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. have to have an actual. If you fight. ever get to have a, a walkout song? What's it going to be? Right. Yeah. Either that, or uh, if you guys ever watch wrestling, the, the Shane O'Mac, Here Comes the Money. <laughs> I don't know that one. I would like to come out to. Um, I almost actually played this when we were at the gym. We were here Thursday night. I was I was playing the music for once for the first time, and I almost played. Um, it's time to play the game. Triple H's nice. Motorhead <laughs> song. Yeah, I was like, this is still a badass walkout <laughs> song, right? So, yeah, that would be pretty funny to come out to. Too. Would, you, would you do? Would you do the whole, you know, the flex and this? Yeah, the spit, spit the water. Yeah, yeah. 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 They'd be it. like, this clown, get him the hell out of here. Right? <laughs> this the sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be pretty badass. I, I, my list of walkout songs is probably like ten deep. I have to have good a lot of matches in between before I retire. Yeah. 
but that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. We tried to get Bill to commit to what his walkout song would be. Pete and I were playing some Sunshine songs for him. Nice. And he was not having it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were too old. The songs were too old yeah, for him. Yeah, he was just like, what? He didn't get it. Never heard it? Yeah, he didn't get it. So, Any other jujitsu tidbits you want to drop on us? No, I'm, I'm trying to keep them for myself so nobody else knows. Keeping right, the good. secrets. Good. Good. No, listen. Number one thing for me is listen to when your coach is actually telling you to do stuff and actually do it, <laughs> especially in training. It's like, you should hold him here. Okay. Hey, that worked. Yeah, no shit, it worked. <laughs> it's awesome. And get that badass takedown. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank, the, the, key, the key to the heavyweight division. That's such a key with the heavyweights. Thanks. Hey, I don't, I don't want to be on bottom. And I know for sure nobody wants to be underneath me. Right. So, and I, that's that's how I got my first win was actually Jeff. Uh, so you need to do this. Get get the underhooks, get the body lock trip. That's how I got that's how I got my first win, got on top and strangled him. It's my first coaching move. Yeah. Boom. I, nice. I just believe that, right? Like as a as a heavier dude, I, I don't want to be on the bottom. weight becomes an equalizer. Yeah, you get that takedown. I think you like you take somebody's soul a little bit, right? Especially at the heavyweight division, you're like, I'm, doop, I got a little bit of you already, right? Yeah, because now you're immediately in a bad position. Okay, you I see it like, a lot with the heavyweights. Takedown will decide the match. If yeah. I can get to if I can get to side control, I got I got 300 pounds I can press on top of you. It's gonna it's gonna suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then just wait, cook the beans, right? Yep. I have another little nasty thing I'll show you later that just popped into my head. Nice. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Perfect. In the, under the blackness of the camera. <laughs> yep. Looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Dude, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. It was a good, good talk. It's cool to hear all the, the stories. Yeah, it's fascinating. It'll be fun <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Thanks for rolling. My pleasure. Thanks for rolling. We're out. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.